Congratulations to the ladies and Lowell. Every group's got one and Lowell's ours. If it makes you feel any better, he's one of the trustees counting the offering today. And I'm not joking. So if you want to stop by the office and make sure everything's on the up and up, you're free to do that after today's display. As I mentioned, I've had the privilege to work with these kids all week. And one of the things that continues to astound me about children is their lack of our adult pretension. You know, you just saw the lack of pretensions up here on display. If a child believes that they know what the truth is, they'll tell you. If they need help, they're willing to ask, even beg it, beg for it. A couple of weeks ago, I was driving home, and I was about to pull in my driveway, and we had new neighbors two houses down who had just moved in, and they were getting their house all set up. And as I'm driving up to my house, I see that he has a couch, and he's all alone trying to get it into his house from his driveway. And he's literally taking the couch and picking it up and going end over end with it <laughs> into the house. I thought, that is stupid. <laughs> now, if you've ever done projects with me, you know I've done things like this, but... I said, that is stupid. So I got out of my car and I ran down the street and I said, hey, can I give you a hand? You know what he said to me? No, I got it. <laughs> you got it. I, I just stood there stunned. But apparently he had it. When a child feels lonely or they need attention, they're willing to fight for it. They really are. I'm convinced that my girls work against me now when I'm working at home. They have a tag team. You know, I'm working on the computer, working on a sermon, or checking emails or something, and the 18-month-old will come and just start hitting the laptop like this, while the 3-year-old gets up behind me on the couch and begins to kick me in the back of the neck. What do they want? They want attention. This is not a joke. This is serious. They, they work together. They're like the dynamic duo of attention. When a child's been wronged, they're not embarrassed to tell someone and seek justice. Mommy, Daddy, Teacher... You fill in the blank. Children are quick to admit their needs. Adults are wired to pretend they have none. But what these children have been learning this week is a valuable, valuable lesson. And it's just as true for them as children as it is for us as adults, regardless of our amount of pretension. In this life, we can make one of two choices that color everything. And it's this. We can choose to admit that we have a need of the God who created us, or we can deny that we have need of the God who created us. And it's why Jesus said to those listening to him, if we are going to enter the kingdom of God, we must come like little children, leave our pretension at the door, and be willing to seek and ask for that which we need from our creator God. Children have no qualms about admitting their needs. Read with me, if you will, a short story from the life of Jesus. It's in Luke chapter 18, for those of you who have your Bibles with you this morning. If not, the passage will be up on the screen. Three verses that tell us a lot about who Jesus was and what he seeks from us. It says in verse 15, People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And when the disciples of Jesus saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, 
Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Now, before we get into discussing the the concept of little children in the kingdom of God, we must never forget the historical reality that was Jesus of Nazareth. This man turned history upside down. His teaching was revolutionary. He gave us a picture of God that the world has never seen before and that the world has been trying to wrap their minds around ever since. He was from a backwater town in a subjugated nation, yet within a century of his life, his teaching had reached the very edges of Europe, Asia, and Africa. He was a noted healer. Even the non-Christian historians of the day, the Romans and the Egyptians historians of the day, were convinced that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, had extraordinary ability to make sick and disabled people well. So regardless of the claims of who Jesus says he was, or who Christians say that he was, this man was a phenomenon. He could draw tens of thousands to him to listen to what he had to say. And it is for this reason that his ill-informed disciples figured blessing babies was below him. That wasn't anything that he should be involved in. He had bigger fish to fry. He had a world to change after all. And who cares about some whiny infants and children? But as Jesus Jesus often did, he rejected the social system of the times, and he stunned the people around him with his next act. Because in the ancient Mediterranean world, unlike America in maybe the 1940s and 50s, where children were to be seen, not heard, now that's been totally turned on its head in our culture today, and I'm not going to talk about that, but this was a time that children were not to be seen nor heard. You stayed out of the way. Children were not considered the center of the family, if you will. They were considered an appendage. And I want to tell you that for Jesus to welcome these children was a remarkable thing. So in light of his disciples trying to shoo these children away, Jesus teaches us two incredible lessons, and it's what I want us to focus on for the next few minutes. First, he says that the kingdom of God belongs to even children. Now you might say, what is the kingdom of God? Well, Jesus came preaching a radical ethic about how to love God and how to treat your neighbor. And he claimed that his religious and social ethic was from his father, God. And that those who put their faith in him would begin to live out the demands of the kingdom of God. So the more people who begin to live in the kingdom of God, the more the world looks like God intended it to look. Now, when he uses a term like kingdom, that means that this has boundaries. That outside the boundaries of this kingdom is another power, another kingdom. And the kingdom that's often described in the New Testament is the kingdom of this world. A kingdom in which people are taught from a very young age, take care of yourself, take care of your needs, get in a position where you can make some money in this life, and once you've gotten to that position... Keep as much of it and hoard as much of it as possible. Save it for a rainy day. Take care of your needs until you get old enough that you can stop working and you have enough money. Take care of your needs. Do what you've got to do for you. And by the end of that time, when you've done enough for you, you can be done working in society and then you can retire and then you can travel and then you can do this and then you can do that and then you can die. And the whole world system is based on making enough money to try to insulate yourself from bad things happening. The problem with that world system is you can make enough money to insulate yourself from financial ruin. You can't make enough money to insulate yourself from health problems, relational problems, or the like. 
you know, the things that really count, right? And so, in essence, the world says it's all about money, and it's all about your pleasure, and it's all about having fun, and it's all about doing the things that make you happy. But what we find to be true, and you all know this regardless of if you're Christian, non-Christian, or somewhere in between, you know that if you do the things that you think will only make you happy, your relationships end broken. And life is not what it should be. And happiness and joy do not follow. Jesus was preaching the kingdom of God, which said this, God has created you with a purpose. He created you to come to him and to admit that you have need of him. And by doing so, you humble yourself enough to admit that you need to have a relationship with God and God has a purpose and a plan for your life. That takes a lot of humility. But once you've done that, it puts you in a position where you can serve the people around you with all your heart. Which is why God puts you here. He puts you here to come into relationship with him. So that you could also not only serve him, but the people around you. So in essence, it's not all about what you can gain and what you can get and the pleasure that you can experience in this life. But it's about selling your life to the God who created you and finding your true purpose, finding your true way, which is to serve him with all of your heart. And he will give you the way to serve your neighbors with all of your heart. That was the ethic of Jesus. That was the kingdom of God. And the beautiful thing about that is just by admitting that we have need of God, Just by admitting that we need the Son of God in our lives to make us whole, we've qualified ourselves for heaven. Isn't that beautiful? Just admitting the need qualifies you for heaven. Not all the good things that you're going to do after admitting the need. Just admitting your need. Just admitting that when you do it your way and when you try to get the things that please you and the things that make you happy and and being all about you, that doesn't work. In fact, that's called sin and selfishness. But when you're willing to admit, you know what, I have been a sinful person. I have been a selfish person. I've made a mess of a bunch of things. I need forgiveness for that. I need God in my life. And I need God to give me a new purpose, a new reason that's bigger than myself. That's living in the kingdom of God. So for Jesus to say that the kingdom of God belongs to even children is to say that every person, no matter how insignificant a place they may have in society, is not insignificant when it comes to God's kingdom. You may feel very insignificant in the life that you're leading, but you are not insignificant to God. He created you with a purpose. Each person has been designed with a purpose for their lives, and that goes even for children. Children have a part to play in God's design for the world. Aren't you glad of that? Even by bringing their joy, their laughter, their innocence, they bring a picture of what heaven will look like. And children have a unique way of reminding us of the truth and a unique way of reminding us what is right and what is wrong. The second lesson Jesus teaches in this short passage should be important for each one of us today. Jesus said, to enter the kingdom of God, one must receive it like a little child. And that's the point I'm trying to make. Children aren't afraid to admit they have need of God. They're not afraid to look at the authority figures in their life and say, I have need of you. Mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, teacher. I have need. You and I have an authority in our lives who desire for us to come and admit our need of him. Because by admitting that we have need of him, we qualify ourselves to serve him. Most of you believe in God in this room. Most Americans do believe in God. And it would stand to reason that if you believe in God, you believe that God in some way created this universe and allowed you to have life. 
And if we do have this intelligent being called God who has created life, it stands to reason that he created you with a purpose in mind. And Jesus says that our purpose in life is to humble ourselves enough to admit our need of him and then to serve him with everything that we have. At another point in the scriptures, people are mad at Jesus because the people who are following him and who are hanging out with him are not what you and I or they would call good people. In essence, the people who thought they had their lives all together or had convinced themselves of that were mad that Jesus were hanging out with the wrong crowd. And do you know what Jesus said to them? It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Did that mean that only hurting and messed up people needed Jesus? No. He meant that most of the time, only people who could admit that they were sick were willing to let him touch their lives. Only people who were willing to admit that they had need were willing to let God touch their lives. And here's the hard truth that you might or might not be willing to accept today, but I'm going to say it anyhow. God designed you to have need of him. God designed you to have need of him. And that's what's missing. You say, well, well, I'm a Christian. I'm sort of a Christian. I'm this or I'm that. That's across the board. That's across the board today. Those of you who say, I, I'm a dying old Christian. I'm a 14th generation Christian. I've served God all my life. God designed you to have need of him. And if you say, I don't know where I stand with God today. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no concept of even this God that you're talking about, Matt. God designed you to have need of him. He designed you to serve him. And he had a purpose in mind for you when you were created. Children have no problem accepting that truth. In fact, they were screaming this morning, it's true. Every time those statements were made. In fact, to them, it's intuitive. It's instinctual. For you it was too at one point. Before life beat you down, before stuff got tough. That would have been fine for you to admit at one point in your life. But we as adults, we don't want to admit that we have need of God or that we could be wasting our lives apart from Him. Last year on vacation, the townhouse, or not the townhouse, but the condo that I was staying in had a biography of Frank Sinatra. Old blue eyes, you know? And his music is still, I don't know why, but every wedding reception I go to, that's the music played during dinner. Have you noticed? It's just Frank, you know? He's iconic, right? And I'm reading this, this thing about Frank, and everybody thinks Frank's cool. In fact, on the, on the Roku this week, or the Netflix, I watch Von Ryan's Express. You ever seen that one, you know? Frank and the, never mind. Anyhow. And I was reading this biography of Frank Sinatra, and he admits, even though he was raised in the Catholic Church, he, he didn't end up with much of a need for God. He respected the church, and he'd hang out around the church, but he didn't have much of a need for God himself. He said in the book something to this effect, a few shots of Jack could help him medicate the cares of life as well as God could. That was his statement. I'm paraphrasing. Now that, that sounds, and, and I'll even admit it, that, that sounds cool. Like, you got it together, Frank. You understand all about life. You, you got it. I mean, he was an independent man. I mean, one of his most famous songs was My Way. But I read the rest of that biography, and his way stunk. 
I found no peace and less joy. It was a slew of broken and dysfunctional relationships, broken homes, serious depression, and pain. If Jack was the medicine, it failed to treat Frank's disease and its symptoms. You know, the truth is, any one of us can medicate the toughness of life whichever way we choose. But when push comes to shove, only Jesus has the cure for what ails you. He's the source of peace. He's the source of hope. He's the source of joy. He's the source of purpose. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever walks in me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Jesus was telling a captivated world that there was more to this life than just living, making money, trying to find some pleasure, and dying. He was trying to say that God intended us to serve him. Truth is, this life is tough on all of us. People hurt us. Financial security eludes us. Possessions break, grow old, or are even stolen. Health comes and goes. And people we love leave this earth. But the choice for each of us remains the same. We can choose whether to walk this life with Jesus by our side, giving us hope, and purpose and strength or we can walk this life with only the hope, purpose and strength that we can muster within ourselves. The great thinker Francis Bacon wrote, it is the poor center of a man's life, himself. Jesus is asking you to come to him as willingly as a little child. Trust in his care. Trust in his purpose for your life. Become part of his kingdom where we serve God and serve others. Let's pray. I don't expect that this is the place where all of you are at this morning, but I do expect that it's the place where maybe a few are at. And you recognize that your life is not in a place where you can say it's full of hope and purpose. And you recognize today that maybe you have been living a life that has been about you and your own self. You recognize that that today is sin, that God's created you to live for him and for others. And in doing so, your life can be made new. Perhaps today you recognize that you have need of Jesus. If that's you today in this place and you say, I would like to enter this kingdom. I would like to begin to find why God put me on this earth. I'm tired of doing things my way. I'm tired of medicating in the same old ways. I need a Savior. 
if that's you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, will you just stand where you're at? Say, this is the day for me. This is the day for me. Thank you for being brave. I see you both. Anybody else today? It's the best decision you can ever make. I see you. Thanks for being bold today. Anybody else today? He says, this is the day. I see you. God sees you. Thanks for being bold today. Anybody else today? I, I recognize my need of Jesus. I don't want to live for myself anymore. My life's worth more than that. All right, for those who stood today, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. This is not a magical prayer. There's nothing powerful in what I'm doing, but you are going to pray with me today and just invite Jesus to become the Lord of your life. And for those of you in the congregation who know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you just pray this with us today so that no one stands alone? Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit today that I have need of you. I've been doing things my own way. And I don't want to do that anymore. I've hurt myself. I've hurt others. But I want that to stop today. I want to live for you. And I want to live for the purpose you have for me. So today I declare, I'm going to serve you. For the rest of my days, with all that I have and all that I am. Accept me into your kingdom, Lord. Make me new. In Jesus' name, you can be seated if you've been standing. Amen. Amen. For those of you who prayed that prayer today for the first time, we would love to talk to you after the service. I'm going to ask our elders if they would make themselves available at the front here today, and if you would like to learn a little bit more about what it means to live for Jesus Christ, we'd love to talk to you about that. Thank you for being bold today. Thank you for doing that. It's the best decision you can make. Well, I trust you enjoyed our children this morning. They are down the hall having a party. So...